I just, Lord, want to come to you this evening and ask you for your power. I ask you to fill me with your strength and your power and your spirit. As I teach, Lord, I ask you to communicate through me your word. Lord, we want to we want to know more about you because there's already everything about you to love, and the more we know, the more we love. Father, I pray that you would just arrest our attention, help us to focus on your word this evening, and we want you to be glorified. We do lift up the children across the street in the Awana Club, the workers, that you would bless them. And Lord, if there's anyone in any of our services that's not saved, we ask you, Lord, save that one, please. Again, we love you, and I ask you for your help. I desperately need it. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Do you know how to listen to God? Uh, I don't know about you all, but for me, it seems like I do most of the talking in our relationship, even though God has spoken. And I know you find that hard to believe that I talk a lot, but <clears throat> at any rate... Um, but listening to God is something. When I was a kid growing up, my dad used to repeatedly say to me, you don't listen. Have you ever tried to talk to someone and you're telling them pertinent, no point at your spouse, pertinent information about something that they needed to know, you want to answer their question or something, but they won't stop talking long enough so you can help them? Has anyone ever talked to someone like that? Sure, we all have. And it's, it, you know, finally... I love that show, Doc Martin. Anybody ever watch that show? It was a British or British TV. One of the things I loved that he he would be examining a patient. He was very blunt and straightforward, and the person would be and he would stop talking. He would just say, "Stop talking." And uh, sometimes, I think God needs to tell us, "Just stop talking, stop talking." The nation of Israel repeatedly failed to listen to God. Over. And over and over, they refuse to listen to God. Isaiah chapter 51 gives us a glimpse. In the first eight verses, three times, he says, listen to me. Listen to me. Isn't it interesting when God says something, it's very important, right? If he says it once, it's very important. If he says it three times, we know that it's astronomically important. Because how many times do we need repeatedly to be told something? Over and over and over. That's our nature. So in Isaiah chapter 51, the whole crux of this message is we're turning a corner. And what, what I want you to see tonight is that you can listen to God. Now, God doesn't speak in an audible voice. Um, when I talk about hearing the voice of God, often it's, it's when I'm reading the Scripture or sometimes it's when I'm praying and meditating and God will bring into my heart a scripture or something like that. I'm not talking about some weird laying down at night and see hearing this vision and the earth shattering and, and things like that. I'm talking about a genuine, genuinely listening to God. Look at verse number 1 of Isaiah 51. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Now, when it comes to this matter of listening to God, it, we must be very, very clear that God is speaking to believers. He's talking to His people. He is not speaking to the lost. Now, we know that perhaps when He speaks to the lost and draws them to salvation, they hear. But we should never expect lost people to listen to God. 
They're not going to listen to his word. The Bible talks about how lost people don't seek after God. There are none that seeketh after God. Lost people don't get up one day and say, well, you know, I think I'll find God today. That's not the way it works. But God pursues us. The Bible says that no man, no one can come unto the Father unless he's drawn. And so we see this speaking. God is talking to the nation of Israel. And he says this. He says, listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Now he's going to give us some reasons why we need to listen to God. Notice what he says here. Look to the rock from which you are hewn, (coughs) and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you, (coughs) for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places." The first reason we should listen to God is that we should look back and remember what God has done. Everyone in this room tonight can say that God has done significant things in our lives. As a matter of fact, I would challenge anyone, whether it be in this congregation or under the sound of my voice on the internet or anywhere, name one time when God has failed anyone. He has never failed anyone. And the first primary reason we should listen to God is to look back and remember what He's done. Look to the rock where you were hewn. It was God's idea to call the nation of Israel. It wasn't Israel's idea. It was God's idea to use Abraham and tell Abraham, through your seed, you'll be blessed. Many will be blessed and it'll be as as numerous as the sand of the sea, of, of the sand on the shore. I blessed him and increased him. Speaking of Abraham, it was God's idea. It was what God had done. Now, why would he say this? Because to the Israeli people, Abraham was their forefather. You will hear them speak of the God of Abraham. They put Abraham in high regards. And God, speaking to them, knows this, and He tells them, Look back on the history, and you will find what I have done for you, the nation of Israel. Any other nation that's had as much trouble as Israel will be wiped off the face of the map. It will never happen to Israel. I don't care what Putin says. I don't care what the Hezbollah says. I don't care what any of those people say. All the enemies, Egypt, all the enemies of of Israel, I don't care what they say. Israel will never totally be annihilated because they're God's chosen people. And he says, look back at what I've done. In verses 4 through 6, he says, look up and remember who God is. Let me finish reading verse 3. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Here it is, verse 4. Listen to me. There's that word phrase again. Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation. For law will proceed from me. I will make my justice rest 
as the light of the peoples. My righteousness is near. My salvation has gone forth. My arms will judge the peoples. The coastland will wait up on me, and my arm they will trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish away like smoke. The earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner, but my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be abolished. Look up. And remember who God is. In these few verses, notice the personal pronouns. Listen to me, my people. Give ear to me, my. All throughout this, he is the primary subject of these verses. And it's, we have to remember that it's his salvation will be forever and his righteousness that will not be abolished. The second reason we should always listen to God is because of who He is. He's God. There's no one like Him. There's no one to compare Him to. He has no opposite. If you said that there was someone who was opposite, you would be equating power to them. There's no opposite to God. God stands alone in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And simply for who He is, we should listen to Him. He created you. He created the earth. He created the heavens. He created everything. I love it. God says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. Let me give you, well, you know this. He's not hungry. But what He is saying is, He doesn't come to you for solace. He doesn't come to you for encouragement. He doesn't come to you for help? No, we go to Him. That's the second reason why we should listen to God. The third reason we should listen to God is to remember what God has promised. Look at verse 7 and 8. Listen to me. Here's that phrase again. Listen to me. You who know righteousness. He's speaking to God's people. What I believe is the faithful remnant. There were always people in Israel that were not of the faithful remnant. And so he's saying, listen to me, you who know righteous. You people in whose heart is my law, do not fear the reproach of men, nor be afraid of their insults. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. In this phrase is a promise to the nation of Israel, generation to generation to generation. I love how um, people in, in our day, they think that science is amazing and science is something and science is all this. And they talk about how the earth is going to face all these um, cataclysmic things and, and the earth is, you know, climate change and all that gobbledygook. Listen to me. The Bible says that summer, winter, spring and fall, it's all going to come. As long as the world stands. It says that in Genesis. You can look it up. And the reason I tell you that is this. I'm not going to be worried. Now, I think we've made a mess of our world. It infuriates me every week because of where we live, right on 140, people throw trash out of their car. 
I'm amazed that there will be people, I've seen people within one step of a garbage can throw something on the ground, trash, throw it out the window, it drives me crazy. Enough of my hobby horse, let me get back to preaching here. But I don't worry about climate change. The reason I don't worry about climate change is because I have the promise of God that as long as the earth stands, we're going to have four seasons. In Ohio, we have them in one day sometimes, or one week. But nonetheless, I don't worry because I have the promise of God. I don't worry about a total cataclysmic flood that wipes out the entire face of the world anymore because God gave us the rainbow as a promise that He would not do that. And I don't worry, I don't worry about all these nations wiping Israel off the face of the map because God has made a promise. And God keeps His promises. Do you know how much we are controlled by fear? Do not fear, fear the reproach of men. News media operates on fear to manipulate you. Advertisers operate on fear to sell you products. If you don't have this product, your house could have radon and all this stuff and you're going to die. And People lived there for years and had no problem. But they scare you. and The fear is a great motivator in man's eyes. But you need not fear the reproach of men because God has given a promise. So for these three reasons alone, we should listen to God. Remember what He's done. Remember who He is. And remember what He has promised. Now it's interesting, we come to a point in the text, and we could go on through, uh, down through verse 11, uh, let me, or verse 9, excuse me, verse 9, and I want you to see right in the midst of this, there's a change, there's a prayer that takes place. The children of Israel cry out to the Lord. The children of Israel are talking now. And this is what they say. Here's their prayer. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient of days, in the generations of old. You know, we look at Israel and we think, man, they're, they're just, you know, they were just so uh, lack of faith. They were so just messed up. But you know, we're the same way. You know how many times the day uh, I used to hear in Baptist churches, man, I remember the good old days. What's the good old days? Man, are you talking about an outhouse? I'm thankful for indoor plumbing. I don't want to go back to those days. What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about back when God used to move. Also, God only worked in one epoch of time. Right? But that's the way we are. Whenever we face certain trouble, we long for the good times because we don't want to be in the bad times. And it's the same with the nation of Israel. They want to be the regal nation that they're supposed to be. And so they say, awake, Lord, awake, Lord, like the Lord's asleep. If they just read the Bible, the Bible says that he does not slumber. God's not asleep on the job. He doesn't need to be awoken or awakened, I should say. He does not need that he, because he does not sleep. Notice they say, are you not the arm that cut Rahab apart and wounded the serpent? Reference back to Job. Are you not the one who dried up the sea? He just told you that you could listen to him because of what he's done 
who he is and what he's promised you, and now you're asking him, are you not the one that dried up the Red Sea? Surely you can take care of us. They feel like they're abandoned by God. Have you ever felt that way? Sure you have. If you haven't, I will tell you this. There will come a time in your life when the pain is so severe, you feel like God is nowhere and He's not listening. You pray and you feel like your prayers are not going through the ceiling. You pray and you think, man, there must be something in my life. God's not hearing me. He doesn't listen to what I say. This is the nation of Israel. Are you not the one, verse 10, who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep that made the depths of the sea erode? For the redeemed to cross over? Was that not you, God? Would you wake up? Do you not see where you are, where we are? Do you not see what we're going through? Verse 11. So the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away from them. You know what they're asking him? We want to go back to our land. We want our land and we want to be happy and we want to sing and we don't want these problems. Has anyone ever been there? Has anyone in this room ever told God, God, I didn't ask for this? Sure we have. And it's okay. You know, I, I used to get so frustrated with preachers. Preachers would say, you're never supposed to ask God, question God. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus, did Jesus ever sin? No, he never did sin. Well, when he was on the cross, why did he ask God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? If he asked that question and he never sinned, you can ask God, and it doesn't mean you're sinning. There's nothing wrong with asking God why he's doing something. But I want you to see God's answer because we don't, we don't think of it this way. This is what I'm talking about, listening to God. We don't think about God's answer this way. You know what we think about God's answer is? God, I need this and this is how I want you to do it. Is anybody else with me? You ever tell God how to answer his, your, your prayer? Sure we do. We're all common in humanity. We always ask him. And here's God's answer. Look at verse 12. I love this. First answer, answer number one. Here's your answer. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Now, wait a minute, Lord. That's not what I ask you. I ask you... A plus B equals C. I ask you to do this, Lord, and do this. And God says, my answer to your prayer is, I'm the one that comforts you. I'm the one that comforts you. You see, in these times of vulnerability, when we cry out to God, we feel like we're alone in this thing. We go to our three friends like Job went to our three friends, and they give us lousy advice. Right? Oh, I'll tell you what, brother. You just need to read the Bible more. You need to pray more. And you need to serve more. Had a guy preach from the pulpit one time said, If you're feeling uh, you know, bad about yourself and you feel like this, that, and the other, bake a pie and take it to someone. Oh, that's really going to solve it. That might be a nice gesture. But that's not going to deal with the issue. The issue is your heart. And the issue is you think you can get comfort from something or someone other than the Lord. That is the issue. You are placing your answer in the place of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Yet we can't say this in churches because if we say this in churches, well, preachers are just, they're just being, um, they're just not being realistic. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God can comfort you far better than I can. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Wait a minute, Lord, we didn't ask for comfort. We asked for you to bring us back into, the, into our land singing joyfully with no problems and no enemies. That's what we ask you, Lord, and you tell me I'm going to comfort you. Boy, that really helps. That helps when I can't pay my bills, I'm going to comfort you. That helps when I, the doctor tells me that you know I, I've got inoperable cancer. That really helps me, Lord. Listen. God says, who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die? And the son of man who will be made like grass. God is saying, I'm your comfort. Why, 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 why would you worry? Now, if you think that all this earth, what happens on this earth is all there is, well, then by all means worry. But this is not all there is. And I would be foolish to stand up here and say that, oh, you know, I'm bold and I have that faith like that. I'm telling you, I need this message bad myself because of our humanity. We don't like the answer that God's given. We don't like the answer that God says, I'm going to answer you. And the first thing you need to know about my answer is I am your comfort. Verse 13, and you forget the Lord your maker. Who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. You have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor when he is prepared to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? You've worried every day about this enemy, and I've completely removed the enemy. Where is the enemy? Where's the oppressor? Where's the one that's oppressing you? I'll tell you who's repressing you, oppressing you. You are oppressing you because you think you know more than God in telling God what you need. The Apostle Paul said it this way. I prayed three times for the thorn in the flesh to be removed. And God didn't answer it. You know what Paul said? Most gladly will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you know what the Apostle Paul found out? The comfort in the Greek, in the New Testament, the Greek, the word for comfort is parakletos. That's one called alongside someone to stand beside you. Paul knew that having Jesus with him was better than having the thorn in the flesh removed. Was it Jacob? Was it not Jacob that gave his blessing? Hebrews tells us, leaning on his staff in an old age as a, as, a, as a scar from wrestling with the angel of the Lord and it touched the hollow of his leg and he walked with a limp from then on. And we come to the end of his life and he's leaning on a staff because of his hip was out of a socket. Verse 14, the captive 
exile hastens that he may be loosed, that he should not die in the pit, and that his bread should not fail. But I am the Lord your God, who divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name, and I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, You are my people. Part one of God's answer to the prayer of the people was, I'm your comfort. Now part two is the second part of that answer. Verse 17, Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of His fury. You have drunk the dregs of the cup of trembling. And drained it out. There is no one to guide her among all the sons she has brought forth. Nor is there any who takes her by the hand (coughs) among all the sons she has brought up. These two things have come to you. Who will be sorry for you? Desolation and destruction, famine and sword. By whom will I comfort you? Your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets like an antelope in the net. They are full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Therefore, please hear this, you afflicted, and drunk, but not with wine. Thus says your Lord, the Lord and your God, who pleads the cause of his people, see, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall no longer drink it. But I will put into the hand of those who afflict you, who have said to you, Lie down, that we may walk over you, and that you have laid your body like the ground and as the street for those who walk over. God says the second part is the promise. I'm going to give you a promise. Yes, you've had to drink the dregs. You went into Babylonian captivity. And you've come out, the faithful remnants come out. Now they are going to drink the wrath of the cup of dregs. And you know what's interesting? You will not find Babylon today. You won't find them. And this is what I want you to see. God's answer is Himself. When we cry out to God, we want God to do X, Y, and Z. But God says, I'm giving you me. I'm giving you me. The one who, I'm the one who divided the sea when, they, when the waves roared. I'm the one that laid the foundations of the earth. You know, Job, after he'd taken all his advice from his buddies and everything, and then he, he kind of talks to God, and God says, Wait a minute, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you at? You were nowhere. What? You didn't exist. You know why? Because you're not God. And so this is the message. If I'm going to listen to God, I want to tell you four things real quick. Quickly, I should say. Four things. 
If I'm going to listen to God, I must seek the Lord. By nature, we are not good listeners. We are not good listeners. I, I, I say this, I'm not making fun. I do have ADHD. I do not take medicine. But I, can, I will listen to two or three conversations at once. And some people think it's a blessing, it's a curse. I'm in three conversations, I'm not in one. I'm not in one. And a lot of times in our lives, there's so much noise going on that we couldn't hear the voice of God if He spoke audibly. We constantly have gizmos going on. The first thing we do when we get in the car is turn on the radio. I used, my favorite part about deer hunting is being alone and quiet. It's just quiet. And we fear, we fear quiet, don't we? Have you ever been in church and all of a sudden the preacher gets up to preach and he doesn't say anything and there's this kind of awkward silence? Everybody's like, what's going on? You know, we can't handle it, can we? You know, the real issue is we don't seek after the Lord. You know what God said? If you seek me, you'll find me. Did he say that? That's what his word says. If you seek me, you'll find me. If I'm going to listen to God, I must seek after him. Notice what he said all the way back in verse 1. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. You who seek the Lord. We have so much garbage in our lives. We have no room for God. Have you ever cleaned out your room or your closet or something you felt good about yourself? Knowing the next day that you cleaned it out so you could bring more junk in. Right? Just newer junk. Who's with me, right? We just bring in new junk. Some of us say, now preacher, you're just meddling now. <clears throat> Listen, we need to be minimalists on the inside when it comes to seeking the Lord and, and, and pursuing a relationship with Him. We need to let some things go so that we can pursue Him. If I'm going to listen to Him, I've got to pursue Him. She said she didn't get that. Siri didn't get that. Number two, I must remember what He has done, who He is, and what He has promised. It would do well of each of us every day to remind ourselves who God is, what He's done in our lives, and what He's promised. Can I just ask you all an honest question? Anyone in here ever worry? Does anybody ever worry about worrying? Does anybody ever, if you don't have anything to worry about, you're worried that you don't have anything to worry about? I mean, I grew up in a church like, you know, there's this pervading thought that if you had a great Sunday, look out Monday because the devil is going to really attack you because you had a great day. And so you worried and you missed. I, I was off on Mondays. Mondays were my days off. And I was a nervous wreck on my day off thinking that the devil was going to get me because we had a great day yesterday and I worried about it. Because of what people said. See, I have to constantly rehearse. This is not about me. It's about him. It's about Him. And I need to listen to Him. I could tell you 
the times specifically that I did not seek the Lord on a matter and I made a decision and it was a train wreck. An absolute train wreck. And I knew afterwards the reason it was a train wreck was because I didn't seek the Lord and I didn't listen to Him. Number three, I must cry out to God in prayer. I must cry out to God in prayer. Somehow, some way, we, we get this notion in our mind, well, that's too, too small of a matter to really bother God with. You know, He's running the universe and He's listening to everybody that's got deep problems. He really don't care about my little insignificant problems. And that's where you're wrong. God wants you to come to Him. As a matter of fact, According to the scriptures, he has torn down the veil. He's ripped it from top to bottom in two. You don't have to. Hebrews will learn that in our Sunday mornings. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through me. You don't have to have that sacrificial lamb. And you stay on this side of the curtain. And he goes in on your behalf on that side of the curtain. You get to go inside because you know Jesus Christ. And he says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Now, I don't know about you, but if my daughters needed something and they go and they ask someone down that they don't even hardly know, I would be offended. It was, uh, I heard a story of a preacher, and he was a pastor. He was standing there and he had some guest preachers in, and they were all standing around talking. And his son came up and I said, Daddy, can I have a penny? He said, Son, be quiet. And he said, Daddy, can I have a penny? He said, Son, be quiet. He said, Daddy, can I have a penny? And he said, gentlemen, excuse me. He took his son out in the hallway and he said, Son, don't you ever come before all these preachers and ask me for a penny. You ask me for a dollar. And you think about that. The times that we, we have not taken something to God because we think God don't want to be burdened by it. Napoleon had conquered an island. When he conquered this island, he lost many soldiers. And there was a young lieutenant who was leading the charge. And the, the young lieutenant asked an audience with Napoleon. And Napoleon said, what, what is it you want, son? And he said, sir, he said, give me that island. And everybody was taken aback, knowing that Napoleon would just cut him into pieces. And he gave him the island. And one of his officers was shocked by it. And he said, why in the world did you do that? We just thought you would wipe him out. And he said, because he honored me by the magnitude of his request. Do you get that? Oftentimes, we don't take our prayers to God as we should. And it's a dishonor to God. He's the first one. We'll ask, God, we'll ask everybody we know advice on something before we've even talked to God about it. Has anyone else done that or am I the only one? I'm preaching myself. And when I cry out to God, I realize, listen, now hear me out. This is the crux of the whole message. This is what the nation of Israel couldn't get. This is what the church of today is missing. I must realize that when I cry out to God... He, I don't know what it was. It's all right. It's raining in here. He is my answer. He is my answer. He's my comfort. He's my promise. 
He is everything I need. Not all these temporal solutions. I need the problem solver. I don't need the problem solved. I need the problem solver. And the greatest insult we can give to God is not trust Him. That's the greatest insult that we can give to God. In Hebrews, we are exhorted to lay aside every weight and the sin. T-H-E, a definite article. It's referring to one sin. You know what that one sin that so easily besets us? It's not all these little sins. It's one sin in particular. Anybody have a clue? It's called unbelief. You lay aside the weight, not necessarily sin, the things that encumbers you, and the or the sin, definite article, one sin, and that is the sin of unbelief. Can I ask you a question, church? Is God really enough? Is He really enough? In this land we live in, we want more. You know sooner get a new tele- a telephone, cell phone, and a new version comes out. And guess what? This one has three lenses on the camera. Cell phone will do everything but make a phone call. You ever notice that? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Hey, you know. Um, but we're, we're programmed, all societies that way. And listen, our life does not exist in the abundance of things. Seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. The whole issue with the nation of Israel is that they didn't get it. He is the answer to all of Israel's problems. He is the answer to all of our problems. You know, God said in the creative work, it's not good for man to be alone. In times of trouble, in times of discouragement, in times of disappointment, when we realize that we're not alone, that God has given us His Spirit to live inside of us. We never go through anything alone. Do you know that in the Old Testament, the Spirit would descend and ascend? He would come down on somebody. Remember Samson? The Bible says that he whipped all these people and he finally told that woman, I don't know what, I want to ask Samson when I get to heaven. What were you thinking? Everything you told her, she tried. I mean, do not figure that out. And uh, but at any rate, the Bible says he jumped up like he had all the time before, and he wist not the spirit had departed. He didn't even realize that he didn't have the spirit anymore. He finds out where the posts are, and, and he asks God one more time. His spirit comes on him, and he pushes the pillars over. 
and it falls on him. See, the Spirit would come for an intended purpose and it would ascend back to heaven. But the, he would ascend back to heaven, excuse me. And then when we come to the New Testament, Jesus says that I'm going to send another comforter, parakletos, another of the same kind. If I don't go, I can't, he can't come. And I'm going to go, and he's going to come. And he's not only going to be with you, he shall be in you. I uh, was thinking about some uh, conversations I've had today, some counseling things that's going on. And I, this afternoon, I was just overwhelmed. And Derek had sung a song a few weeks ago that stuck in my mind. And one of my favorite groups is Shane and Shane. And um, I'm listening to Shane and Shane. You've already won. I'm fighting a battle. You've already won. If you know Jesus, you are more than conquerors. More. Not just conquerors. You're more than conquerors. So let me tell you this. <clears throat> Listen to God. You're not going to hear Him if you're not in His Word. Listen, open this book. Now, I know I used to stand here every January, you all know, for 19 years, 18 years maybe. I stood every January. I would challenge you, let's say pre-COVID. I want to be accurate. Sorry. And challenge you to read through the Bible. January, starting January 1, starting Genesis 1, read through the Bible in a year. And you know what? I still try to read through the Bible, but not in a year. Because I found myself not being present not seeking the Lord, but seeking to check my reading off. When I slow down and I read the Word of God, I got a whipping today in James. <laughs> I got a whipping. And I listen to His Word. Things change dramatically. And I will tell you this. He is the answer to all my prayers. Stay close to Him. Seek after Him. Listen to Him. You will not be sorry. And if you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, trust Him. Believe in Him and what He has done on the cross of Calvary for your eternal salvation. Shall we pray?